Hello, hi, sir or ma'am. This is Saul from Queens, and I just wanted to say that I never, ever listen to Jesse Dollimore because he's an asshole. Liberable piece of shit. You stop that filthy talk right now. Oh, God, I have to lay down. I've got myself all worked up. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Episode 449 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, and today I'm joined by that lovely, talented, scholarly, and beautiful woman that everyone has grown to know and love, Brittany Page. You know, every once in a while, the internet gifts us with something that allows us to escape even for the shortest amount of time, from the hell that we're currently living in. that You're sounding a little <laughs> philosophical. Every now and then, <laughs> the internet... Did you say gift us? Like, gives you a gift? Yeah. Or like a gift? No. Because the internet does give gifts, too. Well, sometimes those can be gifts as well. <laughs> gifts can also be gifts. <laughs> wow we shouldn't we're having yeah, way too wrong. much fun with that something's wrong with us well what are you talking about in this particular case well there's many funny tweets that i see on a regular basis and uh, i saw one are, are you noticing that more are catching fire like really clever awesome ones are catching fire more often than they used to well, I think because I'm seeing a lot. Maybe I just follow the right people. I think it's because of the Twitter algorithm. So that's that's been mm. a, a huge complaint for many people on Twitter is that when you log on, it's not the tweets that you're seeing in your timeline are not in chronological order. Yeah, based on who you choose to follow, you see these like popular tweets. You see tweets that you know five of the people that you follow have liked, and so I think that's why maybe you're seeing these viral funny tweets is that maybe someone you follow liked them yeah, or yeah. whatever. Just an algorithm change. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So And I, I'm a dummy who fell for it. Okay. <laughs> I saw this one and it's from Zoe Oxley at Zoe Oxley. And she tweeted a series of unfortunate events. And then there were four pictures <laughs> to go along with this tweet. And the first one was a screenshot of turnitin.com where it's it, like a plagiarism check site, right? Yeah, where you submit your paper online to get feedback on how much is plagiarized. And usually that is like a prerequisite for submitting your paper. So mm -hmm. she's submitting her paper to her professor. Then the next picture is of the document that she submitted. Oh, and okay. she uh, zoomed in on where her name is. And it says Zoe Oxley. And then under that, it says Professor What's His Nuts. That's an odd name for a professor to <laughs> on, have. On the paper. That's what she wrote. <laughs> professor What's His Nuts. Okay, so she submitted this. And the next photo is an email that she sent to her <laughs> professor. Okay. 
to to Professor What's His Nuts. Yeah, Professor Hendel. His, his name is not What's Professor His Nuts. Professor Hendel. I am writing this email very embarrassingly. As I began writing my paper, as I began writing my paper, I wrote out the template. Unfortunately, I could not remember your last name, so I filled it in with something completely unprofessional. It was my intention to change the name before submission, but it completely slipped my mind. I attempted to resubmit the assignment, but I was unable to. I am so very sorry for the lack of respect that was used. (laughs) And again, I apologize. Okay, so she's apologizing. So that's three. What's the fourth panel? It is the professor tweeting. And he says, a student emailed me profusely apologizing for getting my name wrong at the top of the paper. And I was like, thanks, whatever, no big deal. Then I got to their paper and saw their instructor was Professor What's His Nuts. <laughs> so he tweeted publicly about this. Did he name her or he no, just. No, he didn't even. He, he's using there. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Yeah. And then she tweeted the whole story yes. to get, to illuminate the deal. Yeah, and it has 450,000 likes. That's so. very funny. Yeah. So she's just a college kid. Yes, <laughs> who made a tremendous mistake. But this had me thinking, because I think we've all done this before. Yes. Where we sent something that we shouldn't have to someone that we didn't mean to send. <laughs> Um, and there's even like Gmail, I think has this, this safeguard now where after you send something, it pops up undo and you can like undo it for Um, five seconds or something. Facebook messenger does it in the app now. Okay. You hit it. You can hit undo real quick. Yeah. I don't know how helpful it is because they don't give you that much time. I mean, you only have a couple of seconds to think about it. How long are they supposed to give you? I mean, you want to send a message. You want it sent now. It's not like who wants to be a millionaire uh, is that your final answer? <laughs> Are you sure you want to send it? Yeah, but sometimes those that should be the case. It should like ask you if you're sure. It's like a computer <laughs> program. It's like, do you want to delete this? Yes. Wait a minute. Beep. Are you sure? Yeah. Yes. Click. All right. One last chance. <laughs> it's going to be deleted forever. Yeah. Yes. Uh, listen, mm-hmm. this is going to be final are you sure? And then the it's breathalyzer like, yes. pops out and you have to take the breathalyzer. Yeah, right. You yeah. got to give a blood sample and fucking get your DNA <laughs> tested. We yeah. want to make sure it's really you mm-hmm. deleting this file. Yeah, but this is for sure. I mean, a version of this has happened to me where, Uh-oh. you know, you have a few text message threads going and you message your friend about something someone else said or did and you're like messaging your friend and you're like pissed off and then you send it to the person that you're talking about (laughs) that has happened to me something like that's happened it's always with text though Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. also with now that facebook messenger is a thing where you've got groups of people yeah because i'm not a big shit talker behind people's backs but because anything I'll say, I'm willing to say it in front of the... So there's never like a really like bad, embarrassing moment. I'll be like, yeah, you're fucking pissing me off. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to send that to you, but I will say that to your face. I mean, yeah. that, for sure, that mm-hmm. that is something that's happened to me before. Where yeah. I'll go from one text message to the next, or I'll get off the phone with someone, and then this thing has happened. I don't talk on the phone actually very much at all, but... And someone will, they'll piss me off or whatever. And then I'll like, ah, I'm going to fucking text so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And then rather than go to my text and find the person I'm going to, I just go to the top text message. Yeah. And I've done that mm-hmm. where I've like sent a text to the wrong person. Yeah. 
And they're like, what? What is this? And like, oh, yeah, that was for somebody else. It's just whoever happens to be at the yeah, top of your just, list. You're so focused on what you're going to say. Oh, I'm going to fire this off. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. Uh, and then you you text it to Twitter and everyone gets to see. I have done that before. Uh-oh. Because I have, um, for certain things, they get texted to me. Well, Donald Trump's tweets, for one thing. Mm-hmm. I get an alert mm-hmm. texting me because I'm blocked on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So I think that was more common in the beginning of Twitter, though, like people would accidentally tweet publicly their DMs. Yeah, because you could. I don't know if you can still do this. And if you can, I don't know why you would. But you you used to be able to text the Twitter number associated with your phone and put like DM before your oh, message. That's too risky. And then it would go to the DM, no, I think, sir. But that was no. like, you know, when Twitter was invented. Well, it's like that movie Chef with uh, John T- John uh, F- Favreau. Mm-hmm. That was a Totoro. Those are two different guys. <laughs> um, and he he's just figuring out Twitter. His son's teaching him about Twitter. Yeah. And it's, in the beginning especially, it was tough to understand that, like, a lot of people still don't know that if you just write at Dollamore mm-hmm. and then the message, nobody fucking sees that message except for me unless they go to your timeline. That's why you got to put the little dot there so it sends it out to the world. Yeah, that's also technically not true. Anyone who follows you will that's, also see Well, that's it. true. Yeah. But what I'm saying is... but It's not a public In the tweet. movie, he thinks that when you click... That it's an actually just a direct message to the person. People mm-hmm. just... They just genuinely... Um, misunderstand how fucking Twitter works. Mm-hmm. Which is really important. You got to figure that out, guys. It's really important to know how Twitter works. Well, and you don't have to know how it works. Just follow me on Twitter. Yeah, that's what I was getting <laughs> to. Just the first thing you got to figure out is how to follow people at Dollamore, at Brittany E. Page, at I Doubt It Podcast. I bet you uh, we have a, an audience filled with people who have fucked up in this way. Yes. Not on the Twitter thing, but I mean text messages or emails. I know there's a specific story of somebody I'm thinking about right now. Brett number one, (laughs) I'm thinking about you. And it was a work-related situation where he had, I'm not going to, I'm going to fuck it up, so I'm not going to tell the story, but he had copied someone on a message that was the customer and said something shitty and then sent the email and it went to the customer. Yikes. And not a good scene Mm -hmm. when you're at, at that level of business. Anyway. Maybe he'll call in and, and regale us with the tale, but mm-hmm. anybody else we'd love to hear. Yes. Uh, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos kept at below three minutes or fewer than three minutes. I doubt it at dollamore.com. All right. Uh, before we move on, do you have something? Yeah, my listener email. Oh, you want to start with an email? I was going to play a voicemail, but you're oh. the boss. No, you're the you're the boss. Well, I don't know what's going on. I'm just trying we're, to. We're starting the segment of listener communication, uh, for which we have no drop, no you know, bumper. Actually, I think I want to talk about Twitter for ten more minutes. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, this email is from. <laughs> this email is from Ty. And he says, listening to the latest podcast and completely frustrated to hear that Dr. Ford is receiving death threats because, of course, she is. I'm ready for the earth to swallow us whole now. I'm not sure my sanity will survive the midterms. Thank you for speaking my frustrations for me. The podcast is lenitive. Learned a new word. All right. I'd record a voice memo, except I'm pretty sure I'd be ranting incoherently. Gratitude and frustrations. Tie. Tie. 
if you listen to the show, which now I'm kind of doubting, because if you say you'd be ranting incoherently, that's pretty much what I do on the show for an hour and 20 minutes twice a week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let me say this, though, about the death threat thing. And maybe this is, I mean, one, it's just a fact so we can talk about it. But also maybe this hits close to home because I get threats all the fucking time. All the time. I have people uh, threatening my life or threatening me with violence. And usually it's ignorable. But there have been times, uh, one in specific, one specifically, one in specific. Maybe that works. I don't know. um, Where we call the cops. Because usually they're anonymous, and that's just somebody who's trying to rile you up. Mm -hmm. When someone does it, and their name's attached to it, and their workplace is on their profile, and everything in their life, that's like, oh, shit, this is is different. But it's not cool, and I don't know if this has always been the case, or just we know about it more because of social media. But not only is Professor Christine Ford receiving death threats, and her family is being threatened, so is Kavanaugh's. There are liberal nutters out there. And I know we don't like to think about that because those are our countrymen. You know, we would never do that. Someone who thinks like me would never do that. But there's lots of people who are threatening to rape Kavanaugh's wife. How would you like it, you fucking bitch? Crazy shit's getting said. Yikes. Putting his family in danger or making them fear for their lives. Not cool. In fact, Eric Swalwell, who is a House Democrat on the Intelligence Committee. I mean, a, a, a prominent Democrat. Um, when... Someone tweeted about Kavanaugh's wife being threatened or he, he, he also being threatened. He tweeted like fucking oh, boo-hoo or something really fucking shitty. Mm-hmm. Very lame for someone who is supposed to be standing up for the rights of people, wanting to be um, empathetic to the plight of people who are being... There's no need to threaten Kavanaugh's wife. There's really no need to death threat Kavanaugh. The system is dealing with... Also... Anyway, so um, I'm not shitting on Ty here. It just reminded me that she's not the only one who's receiving um, threats of violence. Yeah, I think that's important to note. Um, I also want to go back to Ty's point, though. (laughs) I'm glad that you do. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Because I think it's important. And and what I can't, I can't move away from the fact that young people are watching this play out. Yeah. That's what I keep coming back to. And teenage boys, not all of them, obviously, but there are many out there that even though this Me Too thing is going on, even though things might be different than they were when you were a kid, Jesse, or when I was a kid, there are still bad apples out there like there always are right yeah and there are teenage boys who are pushing the limits uh testing the boundaries and doing inappropriate things and harming young women and what message are these young women receiving when this woman comes out has never been a public figure the only picture they can find of her is like when she like went skiing or something i don't know she's yeah with the with the wraparound sunglasses yeah she's like wearing a jacket and you can't i don't even know what her face looks like i don't know what she looks like every tag this is tangentially related but every tag i see says that that that's a photo from research gate oh so there's not even like a faculty picture of her online anywhere otherwise they'd be using that yeah so this person didn't want attention yeah didn't want this to happen and just 
because she felt like it was important to come out and say that this happened, that this is in his past and that she doesn't think he should be on the Supreme Court. Now she has to move out of her house. Yes. Her two teenage kids are having to move and, and be their lives upended. Yeah. And thank you for finishing my Sorry. thought. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I just I, I can't let go of what young people are seeing when they watch this happen and when they watch Tucker Carlson and yeah. whoever else trying to discredit her and threaten her. And again, it's it's protecting men at all costs. Well, we're going to get to a lot of these examples. Ari Fleischer, who's the former press secretary for George W. Bush, said some shitty things. Tucker Carlson, of course, is somehow making this about identity politics. Um, and then Dennis Prager said some ridiculous shit in a, uh, in an article he wrote for the National Review. We're going to get to all of that. Um but you you make a very valuable, important point here that a, me- a damaging message is being sent to young girls that they just need to shut up because they're not going to be taken seriously anyway. Mm-hmm. With the president of the United States tweeting, if, th- if this really happened, there would be a police report. Yeah, because we know 15-year-old girls, when they almost get raped by a contemporary... They're all about going to the cops and not about what kind of social damage that might cause. Because teenagers aren't looking at the fucking 30,000 foot view of things. They're looking at how does this affect me right now in my social standing and everything else. Because yeah. they're goddamn kids. Yeah, even even that though. It's it's not just what a teenager thinks. It's what... Well, it's, I'm talking about in the context of specifically teenagers. Yeah, but I mean, in that tweet, he's telling victims that obviously it yeah. wasn't bad enough because you didn't come forward. Well, you know what? Sometimes it's so bad that you, you don't, don't want to come forward. Yeah. Because well, you have shame and you're afraid and someone might kill you. He's talking like a uh, like a fucking sexual predator who's used excuses like this in the past to deflect accusations against himself. That's what Donald Trump sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's remember, he's got at least 19 women who have come forward charging him, accusing him of sexual abuse and sexual impropriety. Well, anyone who makes this kind of argument just shows how ignorant they are to all of the different factors that play a role and whether or not someone feels comfortable reporting these incidents to the police. Yeah. And it's just really it's ignorance. And in Donald Trump's case, he should know better because he's the president. He's obviously been successful enough in life to be elevated to this position in society. So you think someone like that should know better, right? So that tells me that he's just malicious. Yeah. I mean, no, that's... I was, there's nothing else to add. I was thinking, oh, what will I add there? There, uh, You said it. Oh, okay. You said it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, thanks, Ty. We appreciate the email and uh, allowing me, you know, a, a jumping off point to ramble incoherently mm-hmm. for as long as I did. Yes. All right. Uh, next up, uh, another email. What is the subject matter of said email, Brittany Page? Police brutality. All right. Okay. So this is from Reggie. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I have been listening to your show for the last couple of months and really enjoying your thoughtful commentaries. I enjoyed your last show, 448, but I fear Kavanaugh, Florence, and the latest tweet by the Orange Maniac have overshadowed the murder of Botham John by 
an off-duty police officer, Amber Geiger, in Dallas. On your program, 447, you were hopeful that the investigation would get to the truth of what happened. But after the leak to the local Fox TV station that the police found marijuana in Jean's apartment, it's safe to say that the blue wall of silence will do everything to help Geiger. As of Wednesday, September 19th, the Dallas police had jailed nine non-violent protesters seeking justice for Botham John, but for a longer time than it took them to process Geiger for manslaughter. Several conservative commentators have written stories supporting the arrest of Geiger, but then the commentators usually call it an isolated case and deny the legitimacy of the Black Lives Matter movement. The conservative ability to deny the reality of the life experiences of black and brown Americans never fails to enrage me. Thanks for the great show, and Brittany is the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. So I don't know if we ended up talking about that Fox story on the show. I Sometimes it's hard to keep track of because yeah. we, we do the... The YouTube videos and the show and sometimes the topics get kind of mixed together. Also, and- we're constantly running our mouths to one another about this shit, too. So sometimes I don't even know what makes it to the show. That's correct. But yes, there was a tweet that went viral and this news station was criticized heavily online because they said developing marijuana was found in Botham Jean's apartment. Yeah. And it. He again, like the victim of a murder, like well, it's, it it is completely irrelevant, and I say that because all it is is indicting the character of someone who was murdered while in his apartment innocently. I mean, he was doing nothing. Yeah, and it, well, indicting the character to a specific population, right? Because most people don't care. Like, yeah. m- most people don't care that there was weed in someone's apartment. Yeah, that's they a good read point. that. They're like, oh, hey, I have weed in my apartment too. What's the problem? Um, but to a certain population, that helps reinforce this negative stereotype yeah, yeah. of like criminality or something mm-hmm. because he had some weed in his apartment. And somehow that like makes it justified or something. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is the motivation there other than that? Yeah, I don't know. Because it doesn't illuminate the situation anymore. Not at all. It doesn't get us closer to what exactly happened. It's just a smear tactic. That's all it is. Yeah, it just tells us that he's like most Americans who have smoked weed. Yeah. Well, listen, if if he was in California, if he was two states over. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It it would be, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Are you also going to report that he had a six-pack of Heineken's? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, more people die... Thousands and thousands more people die from alcohol every year than weed. It's not a fucking big deal to have some weed in your apartment, alive or dead. And what are they doing, like, searching his apartment? What was in her apartment? Can we get a developing news story on what's in her apartment? That, I think, is far more relevant. Actually, actually is relevant to the story, but we're not getting that. Yeah, and Reggie makes a good point about the nonviolent protesters, who I believe were in jail for, like, two days. 40 hours. Yeah, and it took Amber Geiger, like, two hours or something to be processed, and then she was back out. That's right. No more than eight hours was she in jail. Yeah, they probably gave her, like, a recliner and had her just sit there and then released her and... It's it's really disgusting. I mean, I, Reggie said that we were hopeful that the truth would come out, and maybe 
that was like us trying to be optimistic. But I think that we both share Reggie's frustration anytime these events happen because there is this rush to protect the police. Even in this case, when yeah. she's clearly wrong. Well, listen, I'm I'm hopeful. I, I bifurcate this. I am hopeful that the truth will come out. What I'm not necessarily hopeful of, though, is her conviction. I believe that because what happens is the truth comes out and then still there's no conviction. That's where the outrage is. And all this seems to me to be is an under the covers behind the scenes operation to try to bolster her case going forward. I don't know how they're going to do that. Um, but it is a bummer, especially when the Dallas Police Department, which is one of our nation's best, it is considered a solid police department with a great civil rights record. For a police department, I mean. And these these nine protesters were jailed for 40 hours for, like, detaining traffic or something. She takes a man's life while in uniform in his own locked apartment. And she's out of jail in five hours, let's say. Fewer than eight. Maybe two. And these people who block traffic, they're in jail for 40 fucking hours. There's no balance there. There's no justice there. The difference, they're all black and she's white. Who wears blue? That's a problem. Thank you for the email, Reggie. We appreciate it very much. Uh, and as far as this case goes, we, we would love to know what you what you all, what you're thinking. Um, it is, listen, my... My routine is to really try to maintain optimism because I believe in our system. I, I, I do believe that we are we have a better thing going on than the rest of the world. Is it imperfect? God damn right it's imperfect. But if we all just give up and just like, yeah, well, it's hopeless. Nothing's ever going to change. Then it never will change. Being outraged at injustice is what slowly bends the moral arc of the universe. If you just throw your hands up and give up and, and lose that positivity and lose that optimism, nothing will ever change. The assholes will win. Well, and I think it's important, like what these nonviolent protesters did, because that also highlights the disparity in this case where they were held yes. for a much longer period of time for a nonviolent protest. Yeah than the woman who is white and a police officer um, for killing somebody and highlighting that injustice, that disparity in treatment there, I think is important too. So anything that people can do to protest or speak out, those things help wake people up yes. to the reality yeah. of the differences between uh, the treatment of white people and black people in this country, especially at the hands of law enforcement. Which is one of the chief um, goals. One of the chief objectives of civil disobedience is to draw attention to those types of disparities. So they did their job. As as unfortunate as this is, 
the fact that there there was a light shined down on this injustice, hopefully it opened a few more eyes to slowly change the system. Uh, again, Reg, Reggie, thanks a lot. We appreciate it very much. Um, let's move on to a voicemail. More politics related. Greetings. Uh, my name is John, and I live in Tyler, Texas, though hopefully I can fix that in the future. I was talking <laughs> with a coworker about the current holder of the office of the president. Uh, I had thought that since Pence had been in charge of the transition team, that he would have the cabinet he chose to invoke the 25th Amendment before the first year was done. However, my coworker had a different hypothesis. He thinks the Republicans are doing all they can to prevent Vice President Pence's elevation to the presidency before 21 January of 2019. If Pence becomes president then, he can still run for two more terms. However, if he becomes president now, he'll serve more than half of his predecessor's term and so can only run for one term himself. Just food for thought. Uh, my fur kids are here looking at me, so I'll get in trouble if I don't say that cats are the best part. I have a satisfactory rest of the day. Cats are absolutely not the best part. Cats, <laughs> that's almost as bad as saying raccoons are the best part. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> going back into the catalog of episodes and listening to um, my feelings about cats. <laughs> and cat houses. And ca- well, th- Which is any house that a cat lives in. <laughs> <laughs> um, John, listen, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've, I've never thought about this. This hasn't been on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it could be possible, but I think it's getting qu- kind of in the weeds. One, I don't know if I heard the voicemail wrong or, or right, but it seems that you said that Pence was in charge of picking the cabinet because he was in charge of the, the the transition team, and that's not how it works. He may suggest a few people, but it's the president and then ultimately the Senate that confirms cabinet members. I almost wonder if John is thinking of, I think, I can't remember who this was. Someone was approached to be vice president, I believe, and they said, you can do everything like you can do the Kasich. job. John okay, Kasich. it was John Kasich. Yeah. You can do the job, but I'll still be president, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if you know, maybe they that's said what you, he was you, you can of. handle domestic and foreign policy. Yeah. And Trump will do the rest. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> what else is there to that's, do? <laughs> that's all there is. So what will he be doing then? So you can direct all of the policy within the United States right. and you can direct policy outside of the United States. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I'll do everything everything else i'll send the tweets i guess donald trump ultimately wanted to be in charge of uh the space force Mm -hmm. space force space force i don't have the drop so (laughs) fuck me so i don't know john i don't know uh i guess it could be possible um it's outside of my scope of what i'm focusing on my my circle of concern Mm. as some in business like to fucking talk about (laughs) anyway thank you all for the emails and the calls we appreciate you helping us move the conversation forward on an episode by episode basis Uh, again the phone number if you too would like to sound off and we would love to hear from you if you've never called and you've never written in we'd love to hear from you 657-464-7609 again so you can program it into your phone 657-464- 
7609. And you can email voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Well, we have two Patreon supporters who upped their pledge. Yes. So we have to give some special recognition to them. Josh. Josh. And Alina. Alina. And then we have... Real, real nice. Beautiful. And then we have two new Patreon supporters. What? New. <laughs> new. Courtney. Courtney. And Amy. And Amy. Some beautiful lades. Courtney and Amy. Welcomed into the Patreon family. Welcomed into the Patreon family. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, so we are going to be... I don't know why I'm continuing. I was just going to continue until you stopped. Exactly. (laughs) That's what you do. So we are going to be recording that Ask Me Anything episode tomorrow. This weekend. It's going to be posted next week. Okay. All right. I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. All right. So, anyways, for because pa- you never know, I might get into a handle of whiskey. Okay. And you know, you just put a, a microphone up to my snoring face. Okay. So <laughs> it is going to be Patreon only. So that episode will be for Patreon supporters only. And listen, if you decide. Right now, I can't become a Patreon supporter. I'll do it next month. When you become a Patreon supporter next month, it will be available to you um, because it's just going to be a post on there that is locked unless you're a Patreon supporter. Yeah, that's right. Um, So don't feel like you're going to miss out on an opportunity. No, you're going to miss out. But you are going to miss out on an opportunity to ask us a question and have your question be in the episode. That's right. And we're never going to do this again. <laughs> we'll do it. We got a lot of questions. We got a lot of questions. So we might we might have to do it again and like put some on like a next episode or something. So now that that is all taken care of, <laughs> we need to correct an error that we made. Oh yeah. Which is we We I made the error. Yeah, I don't get these emails, so it really is Jesse's fault. <laughs> it goes to a different email. Yeah. Um we got a, a PayPal donation in June from Wayne. Wayne from the UK. Wayne from the UK, who is also a Patreon supporter. And when we thanked Jack on the last episode for giving us a PayPal donation and also being a Patreon supporter, <laughs> Wayne was a little upset. And uh, I think he called us cunts. So we just want to make sure. <laughs> Wayne from the UK. It's yeah, it's that's different. a term of endearment. Di- yeah, yeah. Um, so we just want to make sure that we correct our mistake and say thank you, Wayne, for your very generous support on Patreon. I'm going to blame as well as your PayPal donation. I'm going to blame time zones. Time zones. Because I checked, I got the email at like 6:55 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, you, you get going in your day and you forget. And I didn't for, you know, I usually screenshot and we have a system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of fell out of the normal way of doing things. Yeah. Also, I'm a, you know, I'm a, ter- I'm a turd. Yeah, that's not good enough. So. Wow. At least we've apologized. We've corrected our mistake now. It's okay. We can move on. All right. Moving on. Thank you, Wayne. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Donald Trump 
Who knew that this is the way the segment would start? wonder how many segments have started that way. So, Donald Trump. Uh, he has, I don't know if it's ratcheted up his attacks on Je- uh, Jeff Sessions, but he is certainly continuing them, and they are not uh, as undercover as they once were. Now he has made the claim that, eh, I don't even have an attorney general. The president has made no secret of his disdain for one of the senior members of his cabinet, and his criticism reached a new level today. Paula Reed is at the White House. As he left the White House this morning, President Trump once again attacked Attorney General Jeff Sessions. I'm disappointed in the Attorney General for numerous reasons. Trump has repeatedly criticized Sessions for recusing himself in the Russia investigation. In an interview with The Hill Tuesday, he escalated his attack, saying, I don't have an attorney general. It's very sad. And said he was unhappy with Sessions' work at the border. Sessions has typically stayed quiet in the wake of such attacks. In August, he issued a rare statement noting his unprecedented success at effectuating the president's agenda. At the border, Sessions has diligently worked to deliver on the president's campaign promises expediting deportations, limiting asylum seekers, and opposing sanctuary cities. In his interview with two conservative commentators from The Hill, the president also took aim at another frequent target, federal law enforcement. He described the FBI's Russia investigation as a cancer and suggested that declassifying documents related to the investigation will be one of his crowning achievements. Today, Attorney General Jeff Sessions spoke to a group of law enforcement officials in Waukegan, Illinois. We believe that law enforcement is a noble profession and one that demands respect. Sessions did not directly respond to the president's attacks, but we were given an advanced copy of his remarks. And we noticed when he actually delivered that speech, he took out a reference to President Trump improving morale among law enforcement. Jeff. All right, Paula, thanks very much. So this is all coming on the heels. Would it be coming on the heels or is it? This is all happening prior to what just happened this morning. That's a more specific way to really say I really learn how to talk. It would be very helpful for my chosen profession. Yeah. If I learned how things work with words. Hopefully you learn by episode 450 because, I mean. Doubtful. You've had quite a bit of practice at this point. Doubtful. Uh, this morning, the New York Times reported that Rod Rosenstein had floated the idea with certain cabinet members, John Kelly and uh, one other one specifically. This was when John Kelly was a cabinet member in the Department of Homeland Security and not the chief of staff, but floated to them the idea of recording Donald Trump to get evidence to invoke the 25th Amendment, um, which is a way of removing the president of the United States. I don't know how I feel about this, this report, because it's one, it's all anonymously sourced, which is, you know, not the best. It it is certainly an effective tool for journalists to be able to get sources on the record without jeopardizing their position within the system. But what you have to rely on here, because Donald Trump and his compatriots, they're incentivized to discredit the Justice Department and to discredit the FBI. And if they can plant a source that will gin up a story for long enough to give Donald Trump the go-ahead to fire Rod Rosenstein or to fire Jeff Sessions, 
that's a problem. Well, and Rod Rosenstein is disputing the story. He says, quote, the New York Times story is inaccurate and factually incorrect. I will not further comment on a story based on an anonymous source who is obviously biased against the department and are advancing their own personal agenda. But let me be clear about this. Based on my personal dealings with the president, there is no basis to invoke the 25th Amendment. Yeah. So, so he, he's saying it's not true. Of course, of course he's saying it's not true. I mean, that's therein lies the problem. And I'm I'm torn because I, I do trust the New York Times. I think they fuck it up sometimes, like they did with Nikki Haley recently in the, the $54,000 curtain story or whatever that was. We didn't talk about it. But they make mistakes. The Nikki Haley story, you paused. I don't know if you want me to quickly yeah, overview. Is that why you paused? <laughs> I, you know, it's my... It's, it's, Just a dramatic pause? It's how I roll. Okay. There's lots of d- dramatic pauses. So it was about this astronomically high number that was spent on curtains. And there was a picture used of Nikki Haley. And the story was written in a way that made you think like Nikki Haley was demanding that these curtains be purchased uh, for the office, mm-hmm. the government office. And if you got like the seventh paragraph down or something, it then became clear that this was not Nikki Haley's Nikki Haley's doing. Hmm. Like it wasn't related to her at all. And so there was backlash on social media and the New York Times ended up issuing a correction to it. And this story was very unimportant to me in (laughs) in the scheme of things. So if I'm wrong about some of this, I'm sorry. But that is my brief overview of just kind of seeing information about it. Unimportant shit. Compared to everything else that's going on, it was pretty unimportant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing, I mean, they've been doing this anonymous source thing, like heavily relying on them. And I realize... These are different times and different tactics and different methods are going to be needed to report on these different times. But, you know, even, uh, you know, my my issues with the anonymous op-ed, even that kind of thing. So I don't know. I I don't know if the, 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 the New York Times is just utilizing different methods that I'm uncomfortable with now or what. We're going to have to see where this story goes and how it develops. Um, but I would hate to see respectable journalists be used in the service of furthering the Trump agenda by giving by being given uh, bogus stories you know so again we'll we'll follow it we'll figure it out all together well I want to talk about this quote because Donald Trump like you just played with the Jeff Sessions thing he's been kind of going at it again with the attacks on the law enforcement agencies and in in an interview, he said this, quote, if I made one mistake with Comey, I should have fired him before I got here. I should have fired him the day I won the primaries. <laughs> I should have fired him right after the convention. Say, I don't want that guy or at least fired him the first day on the job. End quote. So, so Donald Trump believes he should have fired the FBI director. Before he was president, I should have fired him when I was a private citizen. That's what I should have done. (laughs) He truly is a fucking moron. He doesn't understand how any of this works. He really doesn't. My power is retroactive to the time I was a teenager. Yeah, it's like they say, walk on the stage now. Just go up there. What's this for, you guys? Just go. Just go out there and like point and get aggressive. 
Pump your arms when you're walking to a, a, a 9-11 memorial. Walk really close to Hillary Clinton while you're debating her, okay? Just go. Uh, Just go out there. Um, he doesn't get it. Yeah. He thinks he could have fired him the day after the primary. <laughs> I mean, it really is a, a case of that your your mouth moves far quicker than your brain does. It, it makes me wonder if he realizes just how much jeopardy he's in because the other bombshell that we didn't lead with but here it is is that michael cohen has now spent hours talking to the investigators on the on the uh, robert Mueller team the story our team broke late today involving the president's former fixer and personal attorney michael cohen we have now learned that cohen has sat down for hours of interviews with special counsel robert Mueller's team tonight right here what cohen was asked about George Stephanopoulos and our team breaking this story today. And here's our senior justice correspondent, Pierre Thomas, tonight. He's the president's former attorney and fixer at his side for 10 years in his business, in his campaign. Once saying he would take a bullet for Donald Trump. I'll do anything to protect Mr. Trump. But tonight, sources tell ABC News, Cohen is now cooperating with special counsel Robert Mueller, sitting down for hours of interviews over the past month. The focus of the meetings which have taken place in New York and Washington, all aspects of Trump's dealings with Russia, including business deals and also about allegations of collusion during the 2016 campaign. Given Cohen's long time working with Trump and his family business, some insiders believe he potentially represents a significant legal threat. He's already pleaded guilty to campaign finance crimes for paying off women just before the election, telling the court... He did it at the direction of Donald Trump. When prosecutors started investigating Cohen, Trump sounded sympathetic. So I just heard that they broke into the office of one of my personal attorneys, good man, and uh, it's a disgraceful situation. It's a total witch hunt. But in July, Cohen told ABC News' George Stephanopoulos his first loyalty is to his family and country. And when he turned on Trump, Team Trump turned on him. He's been lying for years. There's nobody that I know that knows him that hasn't warned me that if he's back is up against the wall, he'll, he'll lie like crazy because he's lied all his life. Tonight's news about Cohen comes less than a week after the president's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, pleaded guilty, saying he, too, would cooperate with Mueller. So let's get to Pierre Thomas. He's with us live from Washington tonight. And Pierre, Robert Mueller's investigators spending hours on several different days talking to Michael Cohen, as you pointed out there, about President Trump's dealings with Russia. But we've also learned that that's not all they asked him about. That's right, David. Sources tell us Mueller's team also wanted to know if Trump or any of his associates raised the idea of a pardon with Cohen. Mueller also apparently looking for any evidence of obstruction of justice. David? Pierre Thomas in Washington. Pierre, thank you. And I think that Donald Trump has been silent on this. Yeah. Um, I don't Another think... thing he's kept his mouth shut about. Yeah. So I'm I'm starting to kind of notice a trend here where when it gets a little serious for him, he's he's silent. Yeah. He. I think it might be one of those cases where he is grateful for the Kavanaugh stuff. He's grateful for these other. Um, grand distractions anything that can take the attention away from the Mueller investigation yeah, because none of that really that only involves his agenda and um you know the health and well-being of america it doesn't involve him being fucking locked up or removed from office you know what i mean mm -hmm. so 
it's a big deal. And again, it's one of those things where we'll talk about it a little bit, but there's only so much we can talk about it because we don't know. Because Robert Mueller is a professional who's doing things on the up and up, who's keeping leaks completely under control in a town seriously and I, I it's been said a million times but leaks like a sieve it it's like a colander it's a leaky faucet it's a fucking whatever it's a goddamn fire hydrant that's the cap has been popped off and it's just blowing water like mad <laughs> that's washington you know what i mean a lot of leaks it's like the sky opens up and just rains buckets of fucking rain on their head like mm, leaks it's like the wettest wet water you've ever seen in the from the standpoint of water it yeah. is yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> So we're only going to be able to talk about so much. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's move on to something we can talk about. Mm-hmm. And that is Donald Trump and his attitudes. And again, this is kind of just running his mouth with no no concern for what's true, with no concern for the historicity of his comments. Um, he made some claims the other day about the FBI and this, you know, whether or not they should investigate as an addendum to their original security background check on Brett Kavanaugh. You know, that's being uh, postulated that they should get involved here, Mm -hmm. go and investigate different witnesses and find out, you know, they're not going to test the veracity. But if you lie to an FBI agent, that's a fucking federal crime. So when they write their 302 form, their investigative write up, you'll know whether people were lying or not, or you'll have an idea of people who um how they answer questions anyway mm-hmm. but donald trump is saying oh no no that's, that's just not what they do senate republicans are falling in step putting brett kavanaugh's accuser on deadline monday to testify and friday to say whether she will or not they're telling professor christine blasey ford talk to us monday about the sexual assault allegations you're making because a vote on judge kavanaugh is coming soon no matter what there's also breaking news from her as well a new reply from one of her attorneys saying and i quote the rush to a hearing is unnecessary and contrary to the committee discovering the truth. The attorney, Lisa Banks, also says that multiple witnesses whose names have appeared publicly should also be included in any proceeding. We'll have more on that shortly. As for the FBI investigation that Professor Ford and many Democratic members want, first, Republicans, including the president, are dismissing the possibility for two key reasons, neither of which happens to be entirely true. And, of course, the truth matters here, because whether you believe more investigation is called for or not, and it's not our position to advocate one way or another, what is important is to point out inconsistencies, factual and otherwise, in the various arguments. Now, Professor Ford says her life has been threatened since coming forward. Judge Kavanaugh's reputation is certainly on the line. So is the Senate's, as members exercise their duty to vet a nominee for a seat for life on what could be the most consequential Supreme Court in generations. So, We're keeping them honest on all of that tonight. Senator Bob Corker's tweet late last night spells it out. Quote, after learning the allegation, Chairman at Chuck Grassley took immediate action to ensure both Dr. Ford and Judge Kavanaugh have the opportunity to be heard in public or private. Republicans extended a hand in good faith. If we don't hear from both sides on Monday, let's vote. That was his response after this program broke the news that Professor Ford is requesting the FBI or others to investigate her allegations before she sits down with the Judiciary Committee. What we're saying is that there should be an investigation because that's the right thing to do. If there's not an investigation, would she appear on Monday? She is prepared to cooperate with the committee and with any law enforcement investigation. And, and that has been her position and it continues to be her position. So she will cooperate with the committee uh, in whatever form that takes. 
Well, the FBI, as you know, did a standard background check on Judge Kavanaugh, as they've done several times for his various appointments. However, the Bureau was not aware of Professor Ford's allegations at the time. Now the president, some key Republican senators, are saying no to any further investigation, and they're giving two reasons why. Their first argument is it's not even the FBI's job. Well, it would seem that the FBI really doesn't do that. They've investigated... They've investigated about six times before, and it seems that they don't do that. Well, that's the president earlier today. Yesterday, he said, and I'm quoting here, it's not really their thing. Senator Orrin Hatch, who, as you know, has already said that he thinks Professor Ford is mistaken about what she says happened to her, tweeted, and I'm quoting, the FBI does not do investigations like this. The responsibility falls to us. The president has gone so far as to say the FBI has said they don't want to investigate this. And keep in mind, as we've been reporting, that's not the case, nor is it true that the FBI simply does not do investigations like this. What they do not do is choose investigations based on want, nor do they draw conclusions or make recommendations. As for a new background investigation, which is what this would be, all it takes is the White House to ask for one, which is precisely what happened in the confirmation fight over Justice Clarence Thomas. Anita Hill's allegations were relayed by the chairman and ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, to then-President George H.W. Bush, who then ordered the FBI to look into them. And one committee member then and now was Senator Orrin Hatch, who had this to say back then. I have to say, Chairman Button and the ranking member Thurmond, when they heard about this the first time, they immediately ordered this FBI investigation, which was a very right thing to do. It's appropriate thing to do. They did what every other chairman and ranking member have done in the past. And the investigation was done, and it was a good investigation. Now, keep it honest, that is the same Senator Orrin Hatch, who now says it's not the FBI's job to do what he once praised the Bureau for doing. Whether that inconsistency makes a difference is for you, not us, to decide. However, on another Republican objection, no judgment call is required, only a look at the calendar, namely the complaint raised by Senator Lindsey Graham and others, that bringing in the FBI is a delaying tactic. Again, the Anita Hill comparison is telling. The investigation that took just three days, which doesn't mean the FBI or other investigators could complete an investigation this time in so short a period of time, but it is what happened in the past. So what we're looking at here is, again, rank political hypocrisy. I almost said Republican hypocrisy, but we see this kind of shit all the time from politicians on both sides. This entire hearing right now is kind of a show, a political show. The Republicans, led by Chuck Grassley of the Judiciary Committee, Mm -hmm. they want to have a woman um, counsel, uh, like an outside counsel, question Christine Ford because they know the optics of a bunch of white dudes on the Republican side asking questions isn't going to look good. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats, they don't want that. Even Christine Ford doesn't want that. They want, they want those optics. They know what that looks like. All of that is politics. Mm -hmm. So let's not, let's not get too caught up in that. Let's understand it for what it is. If you want to take a side on it, great. But just know, being honest with yourself, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care whether they have an outside counsel question. I just want the questions asked. Yeah. For me, I'm not going to get behind an effort and make some some moral argument for, no, she needs to feel safe and it needs to be... It would be a woman... I mean, it's 
let's not get ahead of ourselves advocating for one thing unless we just know that's what it is. Am I making sense there? I guess. I mean, I think I think it is. She has made some demands in terms of security concerns and her safety. And yes, I all that's valid. Yeah, I don't think that anything that she has said is out of the realm of what would normally be expected. I mean, she's not sure. But what I'm saying is if it ends up a deal where they have a female uh, head counsel who's asking her questions, that's not an affront, I don't believe, to Professor Ford. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. that's it seems to me to be an acceptable thing. Now, it would benefit the Republicans, and I don't like that. But stepping aside from that, is it is it uh, acceptable? I believe so. Anyway, there's been a whole bunch of shit. Actually, one more thing. I want to replay that Orrin Hatch clip because Orrin Hatch has been this this 86 or whatever year old uh, uh, Republican from Utah. This this stalwart pillar of the Mormon community, moral, upstanding family man, before was all about the FBI investigation, and now it's like, oh, that's unnecessary. We don't... Oh, that's... Why would you... How dare? That's not how this works. Are we... Just as an aside, are we ever going to get to the point where um, calling someone a religious person is no longer a code word or shorthand that they're a moral person? Are we ever going to get to that point? You and me, or just as a society? As a society. Yeah, maybe a couple hundred years. Okay. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's going to take that long. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the good thing about that particular point is this this time period is hastening the ladder. It's bringing that 200-year time... Maybe down to 75 years or so. <laughs> Look at all these wild prognostications you're making. <laughs> hmm. Oh, I love it. Yeah, you do. How dare you, sir? <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to point that out. But l- l- remember, he's totally against the FBI investigating this. He's totally against them going back and doing a little double check on their background check. But this was him in 1991. I have to say, Chairman Button and the ranking member Thurmond when they heard about this the first time, they immediately ordered this FBI investigation, which was a what? very right thing to do. Right thing it's to appropriate do? appropriate thing to do. They did what every other chairman what? and ranking member have done in the past. And the investigation was done, and it was a good investigation. Oh, what? Who is this? <laughs> what is happening? Fucking hypocrites. Well, see, here, here's the other thing that's happening. Is... They're using this on the political side, and then they're doing the 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 besmirching mm-hmm. of of Christine Ford, and sometimes in an undercover way. So it's it's a besmirching of of Professor Ford, and then also, um, belittling or 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 lessening the impact. Of what is being alleged here. Yeah, they can't get their story straight. Oh, yeah. There's not one line. They're not uh, They're not presenting a unified front here on what the counter narrative is going yeah, to be. Yeah, it's just a sawed-off shotgun just with the spray yeah, of, of pellets. It's, I, I watched a thing on CNN last night where they, the, they interviewed a bunch of Republican women. Oh. And even one of the women said... And they're at a party. Who's giving these kids alcohol? She wanted to like distract. <laughs> like, well, that's the story here is that kids in high school got a hold of alcohol. We need to investigate who the parents were at this yeah. 80s house party. That's the real story here. <laughs> Damn. 
So anyway, listen to Ari Fleischer. Ari Fleischer is the former press secretary. I mentioned this at the top of the show. Former press secretary of George W. Bush. Listen to him. He, he leads with all this compassionate language about how there needs to be fairness for both sides and all this. And then listen to how he categorizes the allegations or the, beha- the alleged behavior of Brett Kavanaugh, a.k.a. Bart O'Kavanaugh, that it's high school behavior. It does have the potential of firing up the right, even the never Trumpers to come out, because having a judge is, is has proven to be one of the things that motivates them to the polls. I think it's too early to say. It all depends on what happens when they both have that day in court. And if the right feels that Judge Kavanaugh is being the victim of something that's unfair and, and is not provable, then it will probably fire up the right. If, on the other hand, she comes across as eminently credible and he doesn't, then it's going to put a lot of pause into the right because they're going to think, we just can't win. No matter what happens, it doesn't work. But there's a bigger ethical issue I want to get to here, too. Yeah. And I want to say this with a lot of sensitivity because these are sensitive issues. Oh. Mm. <laughs> high school behavior. Mm-hmm. How much in society should any of us be held liable today when we've lived a good life, an upstanding life by all accounts, and then something that maybe is an arguable issue took place in high school? Should that deny us chances later in life, even for a Supreme Court job, a presidency of the United States, or you name it? How accountable are we for high school actions? Okay, so (laughs) this is a this is a really common line of reasoning that is from um, dick faces being presented by conservative men lately. Dick faces. And the thing is. They're not they're not being intellectually honest here because we're not talking about teenage like, you know, being a dick, like telling someone to F off um, littering. One time when I was a teenager, we'll, we'll I'll admit this now and I'm very ashamed of it. This I, is, this I is threw an entire that, pizza box out the window This is while something driving. that really sticks with you. Yeah, it's you really... You talk about this all the time. It's of being disgusting. very embarrassed about yeah, it. Yeah, I littered. I threw an entire pizza box out of my friend's car one time um, when we were at lunch. Just well, on now, the road. Just now, on the road. Now it's out there in the in the world. You'll never be able to be a Supreme... Well, maybe. <laughs> well, maybe because apparently attempted rape is high school behavior. Right. So what I'm saying is me throwing that pizza box out the window is probably not something that should ruin the rest of my life, right? That's high school behavior. Okay, but we're also, we're not talking about ruining the rest of somebody's life, okay? Doing donuts in a parking lot is high school behavior. It's not as though Brett Kavanaugh is going to be destitute and homeless and starving and he can't provide for his daughters if he doesn't become a Supreme Court justice. The He's whole, already a federal judge. The whole point of these presidential campaigns and um, becoming a prominent person in society with a lot of power is that you are supposed to be someone that has throughout your life demonstrated that you have a good character and that you know right from wrong and that you know how to make good decisions. And these are all important characteristics of someone that has a lot of power and is going to be determining what the rights will be for an entire country of people. Well, also, that's how, in a system when it works, that's how you got there to those elevated positions of power is by demonstrating 
your moral supremacy, that you're, you're yeah. better than the average person. Yeah. And I would also say that there is a difference between doing the donuts, like you said, or littering or whatever else it might be when you're a dumb kid. There's a difference between those behaviors yeah. and covering the mouth of someone who's screaming as you attempt to take their bathing suit off and rape them. Those things different. are very, very different. Now, he was a 17-year-old. That's one year away from being an adult. If she had gone to the police and she had said, I was held down in this room. He covered my mouth. I was afraid I was going to die. He was trying to rip my clothes off. Um, and the charges went through. I mean, we don't know. But that could have very... How close was it to his birthday? We don't know. It could have ended up on his record. Okay? It, well, it very he very well would have been... Uh, if there had been charges, um, charged as an adult. Yeah. You're 17, man. You're getting ready to go to college. Yeah. You're, you're, he's a man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. It's not like a five-year-old who doesn't really grasp the concept of right and wrong other than how that it affects them. He's a 17-year-old who knows. And good, again, should we be telling young people that the things that they do before 18 should just go away right once they achieve that magical 18th birthday and become a, an adult magically yeah um for no other reason than it's their birthday is that what we should tell them that whatever they do before that point doesn't really matter because it's all going to be washed away well listen the the other thing i, I think we've got a list of like really shitty hot takes here yes uh, and i want to talk let's let's just Run through those real quick before we talk about the Dennis Prager thing. Uh, I had a Tucker Carlson clip, but it's kind of outside of the scope here because he's talking about identity politics because Joey Behar, the comedian on The View, said something about all these old white men. And I, she's talking about from a larger construct of society, which is run by old white men, and they just don't fucking get it. And then he went off on a on a thing about how we're all guilty because we're men, and if you, you uh, and we're the Nazis, so just shut up. Wait, you said we're not going to play it? Uh, here it is. There's another side to this story as well. Brett Kavanaugh, he's also got a family and a career and a reputation, and all have been gravely damaged by these claims. Now, Democrats could have helped clear this up weeks ago if they had asked Kavanaugh about Ford's story as he sat before them for days in the U.S. Senate. That's what hearings are for. But they didn't do that. Instead, they hid what they knew in order to cause maximum political damage. Now, in the process, they overturned his life, but they also overturned Christine Ford's life. She had asked to remain anonymous. Democrats betrayed her and they dragged her into the public eye. Now Ford says she's had to leave her home because of threats. Democrats in the Senate did that purely for partisan advantage. And you should keep that in mind the next time they lecture you about how much they care about women. So what happens next? Well, 36 hours ago, Democrats were adamant that Ford get a hearing on Capitol Hill. That nomination couldn't move forward until she did, they told us. It's only fair. Now they are saying precisely the opposite of that. Watch Hawaii Senator Maisie Hirono explain that having Ford testify before the Senate would itself constitute a form of abuse. I'm totally disappointed that all these people who have came, come forward to say, oh, we should hear from her. And now that she's expecting a modicum of fairness so she's not re-victimized, are now saying, well, if she doesn't want to testify, we should just go ahead. That is 
additional callousness from my colleagues that I am totally appalled by. They're trying to set up a he said, she said scenario and bully her into either testifying on Monday or not being heard at all. These people in Congress right now and that Senate Judiciary Committee, these white men, old by the way, mm-hmm. are not protecting women. They're yeah. protecting a man who is probably guilty. Did you catch that last part? Not just men, but old white men. The worst kind, the kind who should be punished just for who they are. If nothing else, <laughs> the story has opened a window into how many on the left really think it's a tribal worldview where people are not regarded as individuals with distinct personalities and beliefs and aspirations, but instead as faceless members of ethnic blocks sorted by genes. It's a world where some people are inherently good and some are inherently bad. It's a place where how you're born determines what you're worth. Oh That's my what the left now believes. They say so all the time. Uh, but remember, you're the Nazi here, so shut up. Is he is he is he fucking listening to himself? Yeah, right he's now? the king of straw man arguments. It is unbelievable. No, also, the guy who talks about white genocide. Also that yeah, that's all that he does. Yeah. Is talk about the birthplace and the ethnicity and what it means for people and what they deserve. Yes. Are you kidding me right now? Yes. He's a blood and soil guy. He just doesn't use the word blood and soil. So fuck that guy. But the other thing, I, 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 listen, we were going to talk about it, but now we don't have time. Uh, and that's the Dennis Prager thing in the National Review. I guess I guess I'll just shamelessly self-promote here. Go watch my video from yesterday. Why did you give the headcock? Because it's not a shameless self-promotion. This is the uh, I Doubt It with Dollamore podcast. And everyone knows that you have a YouTube channel. Yeah, but, uh, in and lieu in fact, of talking about it, you can just go watch the video. In fact, we should celebrate that you are rapidly approaching 100,000 subscribers. 100,000, yeah. Yeah, you're getting Pretty there. Good. Well, you're... I just try to keep things separate, no, you know? No, I know. Well... Whatever. And um, <laughs> that's that's important. We should celebrate you. And yay. No one can hear your applause right now. Okay. Well, I wasn't really clapping. I was just um, pushing my hands together very delicately. Like a delicate laid. <laughs> like a delicate laid. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Brittany. Uh-huh. I, I appreciate the the accolades. It's, it's it's exciting. It'll be great having a hundred. I'll feel like an actual YouTuber. Oh, because you've got a button. Yeah. I'm going to quit the podcast as soon as I hit a hundred thousand. So. Fuck all you people. <laughs> no. No, you're not. They know I'm teasing. This I love this. I, I couldn't quit this. Mm-hmm. I quit fucking that before I quit this. Mm. I mean, you know. You get less abuse here. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. All right. We love you guys. We're going to leave you there. This Look for the... Uh, if you're a Patreon person... A Patreon person. If you're a Patreon supporter of the show, look for that special bonus Ask Me Anything episode next week, Monday or Tuesday. We don't want to inundate you with a bunch of episodes. That'll be for Patreon only. Get your questions in. In fact, there's still time uh, today, up until tonight, to become a Patreon supporter and send in your questions. Uh, go to dollamore.com slash Patreon and become a supporter. We'd love to have you on the team, in the family, helping us move the conversation forward episode by episode. And part of moving that conversation forward is having you guys call in and sound off. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email the voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We love you. And we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore. 
And this has been I Doubt It. But remember, you're the Nazi here, so shut up. <laughs>